Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, today in connection with the ordination of two elders, we will pay attention to the Spirit's instruction concerning how the office bearers must reflect Christ in the local church in the way that they serve the congregation as we read about that in 1 Peter 5 verses 1 to 5. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under the following theme, our chief shepherd graciously appoints local shepherds to oversee his church. We'll see that the Holy Spirit outlines the nature of their appointment, their duty, their character, and their reward. Chapter 5, if you have it before you, you'll notice it begins with a little word, so, which connects the exhortation concerning the elders in our text to the situation of the church of Jesus Christ at that time. We just reread about it in the context of the trials that the church must face. Believers suffer, we read in verse 19, they suffer according to God's will by entrusting their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And then the word so that follows makes it clear that God's command is supported and encouraged by the appointment of elders. You could see it this way. God's command has consequences for what a congregation of believers looks like. So I exhort the elders among you. The good news in this gospel message is that, that Christ Jesus himself sees the suffering of the church, and he's directly connected to the appointment of elders. In the first place, there's Peter, who explains that he is a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Verse 1, Peter was a legitimate apostle because he had been with Jesus the whole time he went in and out among us, according to Acts 1 verse 21. And he had been commanded by Christ to care for the flock. In the end of John, that's chapter 21. When Peter calls himself a fellow elder, he reveals that the same Christ who appointed him also appoints the elders in the local congregations. As an apostle, Peter was a witness of the sufferings of Christ, not only when he was on the earth, but also as his body continued, his church continued to suffer in the years after Christ's ascension into heaven. You can see that also in, in verse 13 of chapter 4. They're able to share in Christ's suffering. And also Colossians 1 verse 24. The difference is that now our chief shepherd takes care of his sheep through the men he ordains as elders. We see that elders are not frivolous luxuries, but necessary leaders who are given to help and guide Christ's flock in their suffering, in their trials, and also for the church's benefit. Peter exhorts the elders as a representative of Jesus Christ who sent him for this task. By calling Christ the chief shepherd in verse 4, and commanding the elders to now shepherd the flock of God, in verse 2, the Holy Spirit makes it clear that elders are appointed to the position of being 
under shepherds by Jesus Christ himself, the chief shepherd. And when they are ordained, the elders must acknowledge publicly that they feel in their hearts that God himself, through his congregation, has called them to these offices because of the great dangers that God's people face in this world and with a deep love for his flock, the Lord Jesus has appointed particular men at a particular time to care for his people. We'll see this shepherd's duty. We consider that Jesus Christ has appointed the elders for the sake of his congregation that is serving him in a very dangerous world, we will understand the, that the underlying desire of every elder must be to serve. The service is described further in verse 5 in connection with humility. We read there, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the word used here for clothing yourselves with humility is often also used to indicate covering oneself with clothing that is tied on, such as an apron, clothing of service. And this reminds us of how our Lord Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist when he washed his disciples' feet. And then he said in John 13, verses 14 and 15, If I then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. In our text, the Holy Spirit works this out more thoroughly when he gives the command to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. It is the duty of elders to serve as shepherds and this understanding should characterize all their work. Shepherds ensure that, their, that the flock in their care is not in want, leading them beside still waters, restoring their souls by ensuring the flock is nourished with the truth of the voice of the good shepherd who calls them to follow him, like we read in John 10, verses 3 and 4. Considering that the mighty Cyrus, King Cyrus, a, a pagan king in the Old Testament, considering that he was called a shepherd, Isaiah 44, verse 28. And considering that David, the shepherd, had to take lions and bears by the beard to strike them down and to kill them in order to deliver his sheep from their mouths, like we read in 1 Samuel 17. We also can understand that shepherds are not weaklings. Rather, shepherds must care for their flock by calling them back with boldness when they stray. And the Lord is upset with the shepherds in Ezekiel 34, the kings of Israel, for not pursuing the sheep that were straying. Office bearers are to save the flock, the sheep, from danger and ward off the fierce wolves that come in, not sparing the flock that Paul spoke about in Acts 20, verses 29 to 31. And so we see shepherds, elders, are ferocious with enemies, but extremely patient 
and concerned and tender with the flock, with special attention to the young, the vulnerable, the weak and the weary, like we sang together in Psalm 78, or we read in Isaiah 40, he carries the little ones close to their heart, to their hearts. The Holy Spirit gives good guidelines for pastoral care in scriptures, and we'll also read about this more in the mandate and the charge that's given to the elders from the form for ordination. The second duty of elders mentioned in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, is that elders must exercise oversight in the congregation. The word overseeing is closely related to the word for bishop, which emphasizes the duties of supervision, which has a sense of giving permission to God's people based on an intimate knowledge of who they are. Exercising oversight is related to the use of the keys of the kingdom of heaven that we just looked at last week in the afternoon service as we confess it in Lord's Day 31. Exercising oversight has to do with making decisions concerning membership in Christ's church and participation in the sacraments. Exercising oversight is connected to the gatekeeper or the the watchman or the sentinel task of the elder. And as a result of this responsibility, the character of elders is also very important for the well-being of the church. By exhorting the elders among you, chapter 5, verse 1, Peter recognizes that the congregation has nominated and elected men, perhaps according to the instruction of Acts 14, verse 23. They had chosen men who had already had the qualifications that Paul listed in other contexts when it was time to appoint elders in every place, the famous 1 Timothy 3 or Titus chapter 1. His words of encouragement to his fellow elders reveal, however, that once a person is deemed qualified and then elected and then ordained, that doesn't mean that such a person has arrived. Peter knows very well the vices of men, and he commands that the motivation of an elder must include an inner desire, an eagerness to serve and exemplary behavior. The Lord Jesus Christ appoints men who are willing to serve God and his kingdom with their gifts. And that willingness is an important qualification for office bearers because it will ultimately characterize all of their work. The word we read in 1 Peter 5, the word compulsion in this context is not describing those who, like Paul, felt or are, were compelled by Christ's love to reflect this same love to God's people, like you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. But the word compulsion, that, that, that elders should not feel that they're doing their office under compulsion, that is a reference to people who have trouble rejoicing in God's loving care because they have not truly experienced the life-changing love of God in their own lives. Peter says that God would have his elders to be willing, not for their own shameful gain, 
but with an eagerness that comes to those who truly love God and His people, desire to give their lives in service for the flock. The contrast we read in our text says not domineering, verse 3, over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock makes it clear that elders must strive to be humble servants who are comfortable walking with the people in the congregation through the tough challenges of life. To be examples, elders need to be seen. They need to be among God's people, listening and carefully paying attention to their concerns. It means seeking to understand the different perspectives in the flock of God, struggling together with God's people as they seek to be faithful in this world. A domineering approach, by contrast, jumps to judgments rashly, has decisions being made as if from an ivory tower without understanding the congregation, the flock of God. It's quick to identify so-called hypocrites and refuses to humbly acknowledge personal weaknesses and failures and confusion and time of learning. Sometimes the example to the flock might include giving time for individuals to process the godly response to ethical decisions, listening and learning and having a conversation to both sides of of different debates concerning the proper application of God's commandments in our lives. And you can think of that through, through the history, how the church has discussed so many different things, different views on Sunday observance or what how do we define extravagance? And today, more especially, what does it mean to honor authorities as responsible citizens? And how can we show love to one another? And then we see that this being examples is this walking together to, to ensure that our unity is based on the creeds and the confessions of Jesus Christ as our King and our Lord. By mentioning that an elder's character must serve those in their charge, in verse 3, the apostle highlights the importance of always considering the consequences of every personal decision for the people that the elder is walking beside in this life. As an elder, it's not all about me or all about what I think, but it's all about me in relation to the flock. And although this may limit an elder from doing certain things that may be okay for him as an individual, but harmful to others, like we read about in 1 Corinthians 8 or Romans 14. The comfort is that loving, humble service will be remembered by God when the chief shepherd appears. We struggle for time, but we know we are serving the chief shepherd of our souls. The shepherd receives a reward we see in our text. Although the Holy Spirit assures us that the office of elder is a noble task, the life of an office bearer is not the easiest route to take. Meetings can mean less time to spend with your natural family, although you're always spending time with the family of God. The sad consequences of sin in the lives of members 
the blind insistence of those who, who choose to persist in wandering to their death, although they're called and warned by office bearers, the easy disrespect and the common treatment as a doormat, the lack of concern and love that sheep struggling with their own problems show toward unchurched people and sometimes even members of the same congregation. Yes, all these things weigh very heavily on an office bear. They can cause heavy sorrow. They can cause sleepless nights. They can cause a buildup of of cumulative stress. We have an ordination today because two of our elders had to be relieved from their office due to health reasons. Well, the good news is that that hard labor of, of service that can wear us out comes with a promise of the unfading crown of glory when the victorious chief shepherd who supports his under-shepherds in all their work appears in glory. We read that in verse 4. When Peter speaks of a crown, we're not to think of a king's golden crown which shows his lordship or his dominion, but rather he is referring to the laurel wreath that was given to the victor of a competition to honor his success. The word used for unfading is derived from the uh, word for the amaranth flower, which was known for its unfading quality. And although the honor of receiving a crown of life is promised for all God's people who conquer, and we'll sing about that in the final song this, this morning, Peter connects it here directly to the elders who are faithful in their task. If he was thinking along the same lines as Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 19 to 20, the crown of glory for an office bearer is the very people whom he served and led in this life to their victory in Jesus Christ. And it's a good reminder again that the the, the calling of an office bearer is not just to make sure that he himself arrives at the destination, but it is to make sure that he arrives at the destination together with all the sheep that God entrusted to his care. And so office bearers, elders, may have to wait for and gather and show the way to all the parts of the crown that God has promised that they will receive as an honor for their work of service. And so it is always our prayer that God will fill the shepherds of this congregation with a deep love and a patience for every one of the sheep in his care. And brothers and sisters, as we once again see men ordained to the office of elder, let us lift up our hearts and minds with rejoicing to Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls. We see his work in our lives and in our congregation. We see his love, his nearness to us. God preserves his church for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. And that chief shepherd wants each one of us to rejoice in the forgiveness of our sins, to live with joy and thanksgiving in his holy presence forever. Let us praise his holy and awesome name today with all thanksgiving and all praise to our Lord. Amen.
We'll sing together standing, if you're able to stand, Psalm 23, stanza 1. <laughs> 